Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode... We're going to talk a little bit about some things that are close to my heart, some things that I'm scared to talk about, but some ways in which uh, God has uniquely prepared us, I believe, uh, to respond. At the time of this recording, and uh, today is the 8th of June, 2020, we are a short time removed from the uh, brutal murder of George Floyd and the subsequent responses that we've seen throughout our country. Of course, uh, that's coming on the heels of the COVID pandemic. I shouldn't say on the heels. We are still in, many states are still in stay-at-home orders, although you don't see much of that uh, because of the current cultural climate. I got to admit, talking about this subject today, Um, and what we're going to kind of label as um, racism in our society uh, and police brutality might seem a bit out of the norm for the PeaceWorks podcast, but I do believe there's a a great correlation, and there's a lot of things, questions that are coming in primarily from victims, survivors, and advocates uh, that are motivated, I think, by, by genuine love. Some are motivated by fear. But this time has raised some concerns for all of us in the work. But before we can address the the nature of domestic abuse in our society and the similarities between what we're seeing um, unfold uh, with our work in domestic abuse, I, I thought it would be important for me just to lay my cards on the table as best I can. Some may ask, why have you not uh, spoken about this before? I've not made any public statements that I know of about uh, George Floyd, about the subsequent responses, um, about racism in general in the, in the last few weeks. Uh, and there are some reasons for that. You might have heard me say before on the podcast or in different venues that um, public declarations are usually difficult for me because I, I forget that folks are listening. Many of you have been very helpful to say, Chris, in, in a small pocket, a small portion <clears throat> excuse me, of the population, you have a voice and it's important for you to speak, and I've been trying to do that more. But in the last couple of weeks, I, I first uh, have really felt um, unqualified. And, and I want to say this with love and compassion, uh, for me personally, I struggle with public statements that come from a place of, of either ignorance or arrogance. And I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but I, I firmly did not want to be the, one of those guys that came out as if I'm an expert on systemic racism or racial tension or understanding when I have experience small levels of persecution or small levels of prejudice, nothing compared to many of my friends or brothers or sisters of color. So I felt 
it necessary for me to listen as much as I could. And um, God has provided with me for, for me wonderful people um, from which I have learned um, for years. I remember struggling in college um, to the point that I was just beyond frustrated. I had been mocked publicly by professors. I had been um, told I would never get a job um, because of where I was from. Now, listen, that's not that big a deal, but it's not uncommon. So just in case anyone's wondering, being a, a person from West Virginia, usually the first few moments of any introduction out of state involve someone mocking you. And again, it's not the same. But I remember lamenting that, that I was so tired of this one professor in particular. And um, I was so irritated that nothing I did was good enough. I didn't pronounce vowels correctly. I didn't have the same history as he did. And one of my friends, um, uh, a black man, dear friend of mine, just compassionately listened to me and then said to me how much he loved me and appreciated me. But he said, you know what, Chris, I hate to say this, but you can always change the way you talk. You can always pretend you're from somewhere else. I can never change the color of my skin. And that really sent me on a journey as a 19, 20-year-old individual um, toward empathy, I think. And I'm not, again, again, that's nothing big on, on, on me, and I hope I haven't conflated that. But I think that was the first time I really began to process because a lot of times you need personal experience to connect with someone else's pain. And I think that was the first time for me that I was like, okay, buck it up, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Um, you're going to be okay. And other people have problems that are um, quite different than yours. And uh, so I never really felt qualified to, to speak. Uh, I didn't think it was appropriate because no one really asked me to speak. I didn't want to step out and say, hey, I know all about this, because I don't. And then lastly, I think there was a level of fear, uh, not, not to the reaction that I would get. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I've, I've said some things that, that people don't like, and that's fine. Um, but I think it was more fear of speaking out of my ignorance. Um, and, and here's why. And here's why I'm going to share a little bit of something personal before we transition. Um, I don't get too personal on the podcast or on my Facebook Lives. I try not to. Um, sometimes you'll hear things from me that are personal. But uh, some of you know, uh, many of you may not know, my, my youngest son uh, was born in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Um, he... He is does have um, darker skin. He is um, brown skinned, and in the time that that our family has been multi ethnic, we've never really received anything, seen anything ugly. Uh, there's been some stares. Uh, when he was a baby, we'd have unwanted pictures taken, which was weird. Um, but, but nothing to the extent that some of our friends have encountered. And, and I think the reason why, now that my youngest is approaching teenage years, he's a teenager, my goodness, um, when he's with us, when he's in 
our small corner of West Virginia, his primary identity is as a moles. Um, we have a pretty decent name around here. Most most people around here know us, and most people that know us know that my youngest is part of the family. I, there's not a whole lot of fear here. But as I think about him going to college or being a young man making his way in a city somewhere, he he won't exist there as a moles who happens to be a person of color. He won't be, hey, that's Chris's son, obviously. That's Damon's great-grandson. You know what I'm saying, gang? At that point, he will be a young black man. And I've never been a young black man. We had this conversation last week. trying to wrestle through the events happening in our country. And, um, you know, I lamented that, son, I uh, want to help you. I I want to do everything I can for you. I will be with you. Um, But I've never, I've never been a young black man in this country before. So I don't know what I don't know. So, um, we're going to ask for help where we can get help. Now, with that said, um, with that said, uh, I come to you today with no answers for our society. Just as a person who's heartbroken about what I'm seeing, a person who's fearful because it touches my life and a person who's ashamed because I didn't have this level of fear before it touched me directly. So when folks ask me to speak about the topic, I don't know what to say. I think Tony Dungy put it well, Coach Dungy. um, I have a great deal of respect for him. My wife loves him. She, uh, my wife works for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and so She's had a chance to work with Coach Dungy and um, adores him. I, I, I admire him greatly. He nailed it the other day when talking to Pat McAfee when he said that this is a matter of the heart. I agree. I believe that without heart change, without the gospel affecting change on people, we won't see people change. And I know there are political solutions, and I know that we're going to disagree on what those political solutions are. Um, I'm kind of a nerd in that area, so when people have asked me, I kind of get blank stares um, because when people say, well, Chris, what political changes do we need? I think most people are thinking we need a new president or we need a new congressman. And The terms I would say is I think we need qualified immunity. I think we need to reevaluate civil asset forfeiture. We need to eliminate no-knock warrants. We need to reevaluate the drug war. I know it's boring, right? Uh, We need to think about the devastation of mandatory minimums on the minority community. We need to talk about how we've militarized the police and how we no longer use the term peace officer. 
um, but we use law enforcement officer. Even subtle things like that, just having discussions, I think, would help. But usually when I bring up my political views, it gets, uh, gets muddy. But I do believe at the bottom of all this, gang, is we need to have discussions about the heart. And not just the hearts of people outside of us, but our own hearts. So that brings me to what I do know. You know, I, I do know this world that we live in. I do know the world that we discuss in the PeaceWorks podcast. And there are far too many similarities to remain silent on. Years ago, I, I really struggled with frustration as I saw victims of domestic violence commit crimes against their abusers. It made things so difficult. Um, it was so inconvenient. Uh, but I wasn't thinking um, through their eyes. I wasn't looking through their eyes. I wasn't walking in their shoes. I wasn't analyzing the situation. What I saw was usually an abusive husband who was getting less attention because his victim was using violence in return. And I guess my solution was we've got to teach better forms of resistance. And what I learned, and this is something I want to share with you, what I learned was that first I need to recognize that her violence was resistance. Now, I don't approve of violence. Many of you know that. I don't think you can construct things by destroying them. Uh, however, I eventually learned that I needed to honor responses, even if those responses were from a moral place that were different than my own. Now, there are consequences to those. If a victim commits a criminal act, it does impact her case. It does impact how people view her. But my first job should not be to judge her form of resistance, but to honor the fact that she's resisting. We can confront sinful resistance when the time is right. We can offer alternatives that I believe are far superior, biblical forms of resistance. And for me... That helped me as I began to see the initial riots, uh, responses that, that broke out. As I began to ask God to help me not to evaluate these initial protests that were not agreeing with my sensibility. To say, Lord, I hate violence. I hate destruction. But I want to hear the pain that's being demonstrated. I don't want this act of resistance to take my sight off of the cause, the problem, the oppression. Second thing that pops to my mind related to domestic violence, first, as you heard me just say, is resistance. Resistance isn't always godly. It can be. Uh, we want Christian victims to respond godly, right? However, we can't expect everyone who's hurting to respond the way we want them to respond. Second is when will voices be heard? Um, there is a part of me that laments with my sisters in particular 
who are longing to have the church and society see their pain the way the church and society is seemingly seeing the pain of our brothers and sisters of color. And I want to walk that line very carefully because I want to honor and respect and celebrate the fact that some churches for the first time in their history are acknowledging the pain and devastation and trouble um, associated with uh, people of color trying to make their way in certain aspects of American society. I think we should celebrate that churches are seeing that. We should continue the dialogue. The thing that that hurts or stings sometimes as victims of domestic violence is our problem is so similar. Our cases are so similar. Why are we not being heard? And I don't have an answer for that. I, I applaud the NFL, for instance. Let's use them as an example. Who I believe are finally getting it right. All the cards on the table, right? I never understood why someone kneeling during the uh, national anthem was a problem. I get it maybe from a private business standpoint, but I never understood it. Uh, full disclosure, this perhaps this is when my ministry career completely tanks. Uh, I've coached basketball for many years, and uh, as you know, prior to basketball games, we have the national anthem. I stand at attention, um, a civilian attention, which is a, an appropriate response. I do not place my hand over my heart. Some people have noticed that. Um, I do not do acts of allegiance towards anything other than Jesus. I love my country. I, um, I, I love being an American, but it pales in comparison to being a Christian. That's a personal decision that I've made. So when the protest started in results of, uh, what was it, Ferguson, it didn't affect me. It didn't bother me. I completely saw it as that's an act, an act of free speech. That's totally where I was. I know people have different opinions on it, but didn't bother me at all. To see the NFL finally coming around, and I think they have. Um, Roger Goodell made a statement. That excited me as, as a citizen, right, as somebody who has watched NFL games. Uh, am I still longing? Sure. Has the NFL made statements that are definitive about their players acting um, acts of domestic abuse and rape? Certainly not. That's one of the reasons why I don't buy merchandise from the National Football League, to be quite honest with you. You commit an act of domestic violence and with a slap on the wrist, you get traded to another team and continue to make millions of dollars without proper restitution. Okay. Again, that's their priority or prerogative as a business. I just choose not to support the business because of that. So I'm happy for them that they're coming on board with Black Lives Matter. I think they're going to make good decisions about this. It's about time. Um, I'm still waiting for them, like many of you, to respond to domestic violence. So to me, that's kind of where the tug of war is. And to me, the, the same thing with the church. I will not demean or diminish the church because they're not yet on board with sexism but they are on board with racism i'm going to celebrate any church that stamps out racism i'm going to celebrate it even if they're not quite with us on the area of domestic violence um, but we got to with that we just have to keep um drawing their attention to it because there are so many similarities at the end of the day gang we're talking about oppression and uh, 
societally and personally, uh, those are real issues that we want to uh, want to address. This has been a interesting podcast. Um, I, I appreciate you guys listening with me uh, and kind of lamenting with me as I as I walk through this. I'm sure I did not say things perfectly. I'm sure I did not say enough. Uh, but my hope is at the very least we can continue the conversation. There's so much work to be done in how we treat each other. But there's also a great deal of work to be done on how we present the gospel. That the gospel is not merely about relocating myself to heaven after I die, but it really should be changing the way the way that we interact with each other. And believers in particular, if we've been transformed by the power of the gospel, it should affect the way we treat women, we treat people of color, we treat those who are disabled, we treat those who are elderly. It should affect us in our interactions with people that are different, no matter how those differences um, um, are, are viewed. It should affect that. God's table is much bigger than our personal preferences. Thanks again for joining me for the PeaceWorks podcast. Be sure to let us know if uh, if there's anything that you would like us to cover and if you would like to learn more about uh, uh, PeaceWorks and our ministry, you can visit us at chrismoles.org. God bless.